All right, everybody, good afternoon, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. Uh, we are getting ready to enter week, really week one of the of the preseason slate in the NFL. Uh, I know excited to see some of those rookies get out there and obviously some veterans that have kind of switched places. And it'll be interesting to see what player usage is uh, during the preseason, especially in those early games. But football is upon us, Wiz, and uh, getting more excited each and every day as we move closer to the opening night in the NFL. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've just got all of my uh, draft date set up, uh, you know, and uh, got to get got to get serious at this point. And uh, hopefully uh, people have been following us. I know a lot of people uh, have been uh, mentioning it and talking about it and uh, enjoying that we, you know, get right to it. And uh, that's what we really want to do. We want to give people not only just talk about players, but just give people a, you know, a different mindset and a different way of looking at things. And, uh, you know, I think, uh, I think at the end of the day, you know, that that'll be the most helpful thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, look, you know, we're a bit of traditionalists when it comes to fantasy football. We've been doing this uh, combined over 50 years. You've been doing it uh, a few years longer than I have. Uh, you know, the game has changed, the player usage has changed, and, and just to think, uh, you, you wouldn't have dreamt of some of the opportunities that you have as a, as a weekly fantasy player in terms of contests that you're playing in, uh, prop bets that are now part of it, legalized gambling across a lot of parts of the country, and then the Guru Moose Fantasy Football Podcast is going to, you know, as well as looking at the traditional uh, forms of, of leagues that we pay very close attention to, but we're definitely going to have a little bit more of a concentration this season and we started to do it last year we always talked about prop bets we we talked about you know team futures things like that and you know DraftKings and and lineups FanDuel that sort of thing and 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 you and I are going to pay a little bit closer attention to that uh, given kind of the movement in in fantasy and where fantasy sports is going these days yeah I mean that's really the way it is I mean you know it just seems like the millennials and people who are just starting out, they're not really interested, uh, you know, in some regards, but they're not really interested in the season-long type of leagues where you're married to your players the whole year. They they like, you know, the Sunday and the next week is a new week. And, uh, you know, there are different ways of of doing that. I know there are a lot of, you know, leagues that are best ball leagues, season-long things where, you know, just your best lineup uh, counts for you. And uh, so, you can have injuries and still overcome that. So there, there is frustration to it. But look, the bottom line is everyone is going to get injuries. Uh, maybe during the course of a season or two, it could happen, or a few teams may get hit harder than others. But over the long run, everyone is going to basically have the, the, the same amount of devastating injuries. And there, there are ways to overcome that. If you have a good deep draft, if you're clever with your free agent moves and pickups, so... We're going to help people uh, along the way. And, uh, you know, there will be injuries, of course. But I, I think one thing that we want to really focus on, uh, actually two things that we want to focus on this year that we really didn't get into as much last year is, one, you know, the DraftKings aspect of it. And the other is uh, maybe free agents of the week, um, you know, some good preemptive pickups early in the week. Um, so we, we want to delve into that a little bit more, and uh, I think uh, that'll even 
uh, that'll even be more of an assistance uh, to the people listening out there. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to say this too, Wiz, having done fantasy for over 20 years now. Yeah, I, I would say this. The, the game has changed. You know, we talked about player usage. It's changed a lot, right? Bell cow running backs, there are so much fewer around. I mean, the usage of the running back, of course. Uh, how, many, how much more the ball is spread out in these offenses? Uh, we know that the rules have changed where defenses cannot breathe on players. That, that's an aspect of it. But, but injuries are a big part of it. They've always been a big part of fantasy they be become i think you know also i think you got to pay close attention especially with the rule that was put in place last year uh in terms of the short-term uh injury reserve which was used a lot more liberally a lot of it was done because of covid but it's going to stay in play and i think that's a big thing in terms of how players are going to get used particularly over the course of now a 17 game schedule so you're talking about players that I think I, I think we're going to see times, especially how teams manage injuries or age uh, depend and usage uh, depending around bye weeks and you know will a player get an extra week off? I think I think fantasy players got to contend with that a little bit more. So I do understand the frustration, and that frustration is not just with the younger generation player. You know there are, there are guys like Ricky who just he can't deal with the injuries anymore. It's 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 just a frustrating part of the game. Unfortunately, there is a luck component when it comes to fantasy, and sometimes you're going to get the short end of that stick when it comes to injuries, and it's going to obviously have a, de- a devastating impact on, especially if it's your you know a couple of your meal tickets that you drafted, you know whether with a high pick in a in a snake draft or with a big dollar amount in an auction draft, and players are going to get hurt, and that's going to continue to happen. And I know there are a lot of scars, particularly you know from last year. You know we're all looking at a player like Saquon Barkley, what he did in his rookie year, the injury the last two years now there's discussions that he might not even start the season so this type of stuff just kind of piles up on people and that frustration is easy to understand yeah i think you know there are there are ways of dealing with that you know being you know play play you know redraft leagues play in in the weekly formats play on DraftKings, play on FanDuel, have a best ball league <clears throat> be try and get a group of guys that are that are willing to draft each week and uh and, uh, you know, you could do a little bit of everything. You know, there's, there's definitely uh, frustration with injuries, but uh, one of his injuries was Marlon Mack. So that's not really much of a loss that he suffered last year, thinking that he's an old old Jonathan Taylor, was it? Oh uh, no, 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 no! That, that, not, not that one. Not, not that one in particular. But, but no, there are, there, there definitely are. And look, you, you mentioned, you know, how we're going to talk about. And I think this, this is important for, for especially newer players, uh, to really understand playing that wave of wire and, and when to be more assertive than not. There, there are times where I think it's, uh, it's necessary to actually spend a lot of money early in the season. And there's times where you just have to really be very, very deliberate in terms of how you disperse money. Uh, over the course of your free agency money, because a lot of a lot of leagues do play with a with a budget over the course of a season, and you have to manage how you spend that money. And you cannot you cannot just spend all that money up front uh, because we know that injury is going to c- continue to happen throughout the season. There's a real skill to free agency streaming, looking ahead weeks in advance. There's a real skill set to it. Uh, yes, you know, look, I was in a league where, uh, you know, I had the number one pick and I had McCaffrey and he, you know, it was basically a lost season. Uh, you know, I had a myriad of players uh, that, that were that were hurt and, you know, most of them uh, 
just weren't able to stay on the field for the whole season. It's, it's definitely frustrating. I understand that it's part of the game, but um, also is you know doing the best you can with what you're dealt after that is not. Uh, and trying to, you know, battle. That's a that's a fun part of fantasy football as well. And uh, you know, we're gonna we're gonna help people and talk about all of it uh, as the season progresses. But I think uh, in this episode we each looked at some of the proposition bets. Um, I only really looked at. I mean, not that I didn't look at everything, but as far as the ones that I'm giving out on the podcast, I looked at individual players. Uh, I know we, we talked a little bit about uh, the futures, unders and overs and wins, and maybe we could, you know, as it gets closer, talk about that a little bit more. But as far as uh, this this purpose of this podcast, I looked at individual players. Uh, did you do the same, or you delved into teams as well? No, I stayed away from the team com- uh, component of this, and I, and I do probably want to revisit it. Uh, we did talk briefly about teams. Probably we'll do a podcast as we get closer to the season. Once we see the lay of the land in terms of how all the injuries uh, pan out over the co- and and how position battles pan, uh, all, also uh, how they play out. So I think I'll wait. I'll wait a bit until for the team futures uh, for that. But I did start to take a, a, an early look, and, and and for me it was basically individual performances, and for the most part, in 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 the most simple terms, you know, amount of quarterback, amount of touchdowns that a quarterback throws, yards that players achieve, whether it's uh, passing yards, rushing yards, or receiving yards. Uh, that's kind of where I centered my attention on for this particular podcast. Yeah, I, I did. Uh, I, I really looked at the touchdowns, so I guess we're gonna you know be have a have a good diverse uh, podcast to fix. So I, I really looked at touchdowns, and I looked at one because one stood out for me as far as reception to go. But um, so we could take this. I have ten in total. Uh, how many do you do you know? How many you have in total? Yeah, I have about fifteen in total. Uh, you know, for the for the for the practicality of this podcast, I can easily you know get it down to ten because there there are there are definitely ten stronger ones that I have within kind of the, yeah, I mean, the fifteen. I, I think, yeah, I think you know, in theory, you look at this thing, you probably could have like fifty or a hundred easily that. You like so I, I took so bad. Since you have a little bit more than me, why don't you talk about the first few that you have? Yeah, so I, I'm going to go to the tight end spot right away, and 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 two players that I liked. I had ownership in both of these players last year, and uh, you know I think their situations. Uh, one player we talked about when we did our uh, podcast capsules, and that was the Green Bay Packers. Uh, whether or not Aaron Rodgers was going to be part of the situation and the, and being the quarterback of the, of of the. Uh, Green Bay Packers, and that actually is the case. And then I look at what's transpired in the same division with the Minnesota Vikings, and you know I'm a big Irv Smith Jr. fan. And I looked at their touchdown totals, both of those players, Robert Tanyan, six, Irv Smith Jr., five and a half. Uh, I know Irv Smith Jr. in a limited role definitely caught the attention. I, I believe in this offense, uh, you know, he is certainly going to be the third option in my eyes uh, in terms of, of, of you know, for Kirk Cousins uh, after those two gifted receivers in Jefferson and Thielen. Uh, but I really like the overs for both of those players. I, w- I went to the tight end position quickly. Over, over Irv Smith Jr. touchdowns five and a half. Over Robert Tanyan, who had 11 touchdowns last year, was spoken glowingly about Aaron Rodgers. Over six touchdowns for Tanyan. Uh, those are my first two whiz uh, that I looked at uh, in, in the uh, for this uh, episode. Yes, I only wrote out 10, and there are um, you know, literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of that you could write down. And uh, one of the 10 is Irv Smith as well for me. So I'm right with you on Irv Smith. Um, 
he's got a real elusiveness, especially around the goal line. And when the other team has to worry about Dalvin Cook running it down their throat and stealing is very tricky in the goal line. And Justin Jefferson was emerging. Hershmith kind of gets lost in the in the mix. And boy, I think you know six or more touchdowns seems um, pretty pretty reasonable to him to uh, achieve this year. So I'm right with you. As far as Tanyan goes, you know, not that I'm going to comment on every one of yours that I don't pick. My worry about Tanyan, I think he's a, I think he's a good player, and he's one of these guys that fits well. I just worry when a player the year before has such a high touchdown total, it, it usually leads to a regression. And I'm not saying he can't regress and still hit, you know, hit, you hit your over, but just I just worry, you know, from one year to the next when a player has such a high touchdown total especially a player out of nowhere. I just think it's hard to duplicate. So I understand the pick. I understand the premise of the pick. But uh, I, I just, you know, it's, I like to have a player where I think he's about a year or two away from that real ascension as far as drafting goes and as far as these prop bets go. I'm looking for a player that I think is going to maybe start ascending uh, with numbers. But uh, I'm with you on Irv Smith for sure. I'll speak tight ends because I had uh, two more tight ends that I, I, I picked as well. Um, I couldn't believe Logan Thomas was only four and a half. Um, he's such a big guy, a big target, more competent play at the quarterback. We know Fitzpatrick, that's where he likes to throw the ball. So I think Logan Thomas had over four and a half touchdowns. I had to do a double take on that one. Uh, I, I really like that one as well. I just think he's uh, a good player and um, a very good red zone target. Uh, and with Fitzpatrick, I, I think that one has a likelihood of coming in. And then the other tight end I'm just going to give is, I don't care what the number is, Travis Kelsey 10. I'm going over that number. It's just an unstoppable combination. It's like, you know, I, I think I, I gave the analogy with the Mariana Rivera cutter. Like, you know it's coming and you just can't do anything about it. It's the same thing with that Mahomes to Kelsey. He just looks for him. He's, you know, you know that the three-headed monster with with, with uh, Tyreek Hill. When they get down there, it's really more Travis Kelsey because Tyreek Hill is more of on jet sweeps and kind of trick plays. Travis Kelsey kind of throws in the ball, and it's an unstoppable combination. So what do you think about those two? Thomas over four and a half, Kelsey over ten. I just don't care how high that number is Kelsey. I just can't score over. Well, I'll tell you what, the Thomas one's going to get more interesting, especially if this Curtis Samuel injury uh, continues to persist, because uh, right now there's no timetable for his return. Uh, Logan Thomas made huge strides last year in, in this offense as a tight end, former former quarterback. And, you know, look, they paid him a lot of money, and I, I agree that's a, that, that's a low number. And you definitely have my sympathy in terms of Kelsey. I, I felt at times last year – it was automatic no matter what the over-under was on a weekly basis when it came to Kelsey uh, on, on weekly prop bets. He would go over that number. And, you know, look, he's such such a target for Mahomes in the red zone as well. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm right with you on, on both of those players, and their situations are, are excellent. All right, Doug, why don't you give a few more um, that you picked? Yeah, so I'm gonna, I'm going to stick right right. I'm going to give my last tight end one that I have, and it really goes into what we talked about. You know, you talked about one of the breakout players that you thought could happen at the position, and I don't disagree with you. And I think T.J. Hawkinson will have a monster year for for the Detroit Lions, and his number of yards seems ridiculously low given. 
you know, and, 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 and by the way, the Detroit Lion wide receivers have really yet to get out there. Guys like Tyrone Williams, Bashard Perryman, they're all dealing with injuries. Uh, they're not really particularly good players or consistent players, I would say. Uh, and TJ Hawkinson, over 770 receiving yards. To me, that seems like a, a, a complete statistical blunder because I think he's going to easily approach a thousand yards this year uh much like you much much to your uh much to your suggestion as well as him being a breakout at the position so over 770 to me as long as tj hawkinson stays healthy seems like a slam dunk in terms of yardage gained for him that player this year yeah i'm i'm uh, i'm with you there i mean i just expect him to um to really really uh you know elevate uh his game and uh, he could stay on the field and be healthy uh, did you, was that at the tight end? Did you do anything as quarterback? Because I had two quarterbacks. Uh, props that I like. Yeah, I, I have I have two quarterback props. So uh, why, why don't you go ahead and, and give me your two quarterbacks, and then I'll give you mine. All right, um, my two quarterbacks is I like Joe Burrow over twenty six and a half touchdowns for the year. Uh, I think that one seems very reasonable. Um, you know, coming off that injury, I don't think he's going to take off and run as much as he did last year. Enter Jamar Chase, three good receivers. Um, you may even get a few from Joe Mixon, little dump offs that he could take the distance. Uh, I'm really liking over 26 and a half for Burrow with second year in the league. Uh, and like I said, I just think they're going to want him to be more in the pocket. Three very good receivers. So I'm, I'm going Joe Burrow over 26 and a half. I'm going under Zach Wilson, 21 and a half. I just think there are just so many moving parts for the Jets this year. Rookie quarterback, new coach, new offensive coordinator, potentially rookie running back, potential his best receiver could be a rookie wide receiver. I just think there are a lot of things going on with the Jets that I think, you know, he, he, he also likes to take off and run the ball. I just think when it comes to rookie quarterbacks, the most difficult part is when they get to the red zone because teams do things to quarterbacks. You even saw it with an elite quarterback like Kyle Murray. I think that's where Zach Wilson is going to struggle. So I'm loving Joe Burrow over 26 and a half and Zach Wilson under 21 and a half. Sorry, McKenna. Sorry, Connor. Oh, you know, so I, I'm going to say this, uh, you know, and you didn't mention, and I think it's a big factor, you know, Greg Knapp, who was tragically, uh, killed in an automobile accident, who was really going to be mentoring Zach Wilson very closely. Uh, and like I said, a tragic accident. He died uh, er- earlier uh, in the month of July and very sad. And, and I, you know, again, uh, look, life and death is, is, is a big part, uh, uh, you know, is a bigger part of fo- than football. But, you know, he was going to have an integral role um, in, in terms of the pro- the the, pro- the production standpoint, I think, for Zach Wilson. And I think, you know, you're seeing early signs of, you know, in, in, the, in the green and white game this week, uh, you know, Zach Wilson definitely struggled. He's a young kid. I, I can't help look at how young he actually looks out there. So I, I do worry about that player. I really do. I think, I think you're right in terms of your mindset, 100%. Uh, and, and you know, look, it, it's a it's a whole new system for the Jets in every way, shape, or form. So I'm 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 understanding that pick uh, greatly. I looked very very closely at the Burrow one, and I agree with a lot of your reasoning. Um, 
I looked closely. I, I, I went with another player on over for quarterback uh, touchdowns. I just felt a little bit more comfortable with the situation, even though it's a, it's a player that will be playing on a new team this year. Uh, but I think he's got a, a lot of weapons that surround him. But, uh, but I think it's a very good call on Burrow. All right. And now uh, go ahead. So go ahead. Segue right back to the quarterback that you did take. Yeah. So I, I took I, I took Matt Stafford, 28 and a half. And I think, you know, there's two things that play into this. I, I think that Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams definitely felt they were held back by by the abilities of, of, of Jared Goff. That's it. And enter Matt Stafford. He is a player that was on his way to a ton of touchdowns a couple of years ago before he got hurt in the middle of the year. Uh, he's got great receivers. He's got a solid tight end. And I, I just think, you know, this this is a player that in, in this situation, and I think you put into the fact that Cam Akers is not part of it, I think these guys are going to have to win throwing the ball a lot more. So I like Matt Stafford over 28 and a half uh, touchdowns this year. And, and the other one to me that seems like a slam dunk, I know uh, Odell Beckham Jr. is back, but, you know, at the end of the day, there's a couple of things going on in Cleveland. First off, that defense is, is a hell of a lot better. So I don't see Baker Mayfield having to win a lot of games late in games, throwing the ball all over the lot. I just don't see it. This is a team that wants to run the ball first very effectively. And I think just 29 and a half touchdowns seems a little high to me uh, for, for this particular team. And given, like I said, what I think this defense is going to potentially do this year. So I think the under 29 and a half touchdowns for Baker Mayfield this year. Interesting. Yeah, you know, I know there are a lot of people who think that Baker Mayfield, um, you know, another year with Stefanski is going to be much better, and that may be the case, but I just don't think that they're going to um, go away from that game plan of ground and pound uh, with throws mixed in as well. So, yeah, I you know, I agree that, you know, Cleveland figures to be in tight games and games that they're winning in the second half, so I could definitely see that one. I'm going to go to the running back spot where I have two. One is an under and one is an over as far as touchdowns. Um, I'm not by any means going to dispute the greatness of Alvin Kamara. I just think that touchdown total last year was outrageous. Um, I'm going under as far as 10, touch, uh, 10 rushing touchdowns. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one, we just don't know how much time Mike Thomas is going to miss. There is going to be just a complete focus, I believe, on Kabar. He's a great player. I think that he's going to do a lot of damage uh, through the passing game. So no Mike Thomas, no Drew Brees to make sure they're in the right play. You're not quite sure who the quarterback is going to be. If it's Taysom Hill, and by the way, even when they get down inside the 10 or the 5, it may not be Winston may have started the game. But when they get down there, you know a lot of times Taysom Hill is going to be in the game. And he is going to keep the ball a lot. So for all of those reasons, you know, Mike Thomas not being there, a lot of, a lot of the defensive um, assignments are going to be on just Alvin Kamara. Different quarterback, Taysom Hill getting in there. For all of those reasons, under 10 rushing touchdowns. I like Kamara. And I'm liking over 7.5 for Najee Harris. Just because when I look at that running back room for Pittsburgh, and I know Kalen Balazs had a touchdown um, this past week on the Hall of Fame game, but I just think there's going to be a lot of volume for the player. He's not going to come off the field. That was kind of his specialty um, when they got down to the goal line. He has a real knack for that. So I'm liking Kamara under 10 and Najee Harris over 
seven and a half rushing touchdowns. You know, the one, the, the one thing is that we should point out to everybody, you know, again, just to make sure everybody understands, this year it is a 17-game schedule, so uh, that that's a that's a one thing to keep in mind when you're looking at these over-unders, one additional game. So I just wanted to make sure everybody was reminded of that. And, uh, you know, again, we didn't talk about this before the podcast, but we did have a little conversation the other day uh, when we did that podcast regarding uh, how, what shapes up in, in New Orleans with with Mike Thomas being out. And, you know, I listened to you very closely about how you felt that Kamara would get used. Uh, and I chose to go on the yardage route with Kamara, who who's never actually rushed for over the yard total that they have for him this year. And it's 945 yards. We mentioned Latavius Murray here. We're not sure what's going to happen at quarterback, but rest, rest assured, uh, Taysom Hill will get some action at quarterback, I think, no matter what happens. And 945 yards on a player that's probably going to be split out a lot more. Latavius Murray, like I said, will be used more. You know, they have Montgomery here. You mentioned the signing of Freeman. Uh, I'm going under 945 yards rushing for Alvin Kamara. Uh, in addition to that, um, you know, I, 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 again, we didn't talk about this. Najee Harris, I looked right at that touchdown number. I know Pittsburgh was woefully ineffective. I don't love this offensive line. I know Roethlisberger's coming back from that injury, but, you know, it sounds like to me that this team is going to live and die with Najee Harris this year. So I looked at that touchdown number. I felt it was obscenely low uh, because there will be plenty of opportunities for this player. So I agree, seven and a half yards over touchdowns for Najee Harris as well. I have two more running back. Uh, one player that you own in a league and one player that I own in a league. It, it, both of those leagues are, are keeper leagues. Uh, so James Robinson, I, you know, look, I know Travis Etienne, there's a lot of discussion about this player, about what he could do receiving out of the backfield. We know they added Carlos Hyde to a team where James Robinson was basically the only game in town at the running back position. But you know what? When I look over a 17-game schedule, 600, 670 yards to me seems awfully low for James Robinson. You know, Again, I, at worst, I see this player averaging 50 yards a game, You know, even within the context of that running back group. So I like James Robinson, 670 yards over and I think no matter what happens in Arizona uh, that can't uh, that 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 Chase Edmonds is going to catch a lot of footballs this year and over 46 and a half yards over 46 and a half receptions to me seems really low Uh, I think he's going to catch probably in the vicinity of 65 to 70 balls this year so I'm going over 46 and a half for Chase Edmonds receptions this year was yeah, you know, I didn't look at the yardage, but I think I like the Kamara on the yardage at least as much as I like the under touchdowns. I think that that's a terrific pick as well. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, we talked about uh, Najee Harris. I think we're on the uh, same page with that. And yeah, I'm not a big uh, James Conner fan. I I could see um, I could see the the uh, the receptions total, you know, going over uh, for that player. So yeah, that that that's. That one, those ones, I those ones I like. I mean, I really like the Kamara. Um, I really like the Kamara under rushing yards for the season. Um, I have a few at wide receiver. I don't know how many you you know you looked and did at wide receiver, but in terms of in terms of wide receiver, um, I have a few here. I have under Cole Beasley at four and a half. Um, receiving touchdowns uh, I know he's he's a good slot but I just don't know what's going on with him overall so you may get a, you know you may win the bet because he ends up being disgruntled of the year but yeah, assuming he's going to play I just feel he does his work between the 20s 
when they get down there, there's a lot of other things they're doing. He's just not a big presence on the field to be, you know, to, to be throwing the ball to in the red zone. So I think he's a good slot player. Uh, I think, you know, with, you know, just you know, with what they want to do, Buffalo, uh, and, and Emmanuel Sanders there, and some of the other players, and Allen taking off himself and running the ball, and you hear good stuff about Zach Moss. I think for all of those reasons, I just think he's not going to have five receiving touchdowns. If he has five receiving touchdowns, I lose that bet. Um, going to Carolina, I know that there's a, you know, a lot of talk about Sam Donald and the Robbie Anderson connection. But I think what's gone under the radar is how good of a player DJ Moore is. So I'm liking over in, a, in an offense that I think is going to be throwing the ball a lot in a division where there's a lot of offense. I just feel like I like over DJ Moore six receiving touchdowns. So as far as the touchdown total, that's my under, that's my over. Under Cole Beasley, four and a half. Over DJ Moore, six. I think he's one of these receivers that He's just under the radar completely coming into the season. So um, any thoughts on those? Did you look at those or um, do you have an opinion on those? Look, I think they're all there. They all make sense. I think Beasley to me is a, is a really difficult one. Uh, and I think you're right. And, you know, you add to the fact that, you know, Emmanuel Sanders is here. I know we both like Gabriel Davis as a player, but yeah, I, I definitely worry about that. Of all the things you just spoke about that to me, I'm very concerned about Cole Beasley uh, coming into this season. I, it's definitely a, a very worrisome situation for me, uh, and, and one that I think that I'm going to kind of stand clear of. Uh, you know, then you bring into the, you know he's made it very clear that he's not going to be one of these guys that gets vaccinated, and what are the chances of him actually getting COVID and missing some games and all that sort of stuff? So, you know, amongst the ones I, I didn't look closely closely at the touchdown ones for me. I, I really more gravitated towards yardage, though I do have one touchdown one. But I think out of the ones you just mentioned, Cole Beasley, to me, is the one guy that definitely concerns me in that particular group. All right. Did you do anything at wide receiver in terms of yardage? Uh, so I did a couple of things at wide receiver. Uh, so three of them three of them were yardage ones, and one was touchdowns, okay? So, uh, you know, I, I have three unders for yardage, receiving yardage, and I'll give reasons for all of them. Uh well, actually, two for yardage, one one for, one for catches. So I've spoken a lot about Kenny Galladay on this podcast. I, I do love the player, and this year I hate the situation. The situation gets murkier with the injury. Daniel Jones has looked terrible. Uh, actually, Sterling Shepard has actually been the guy that's looked better, according to everybody that's been watching giant practices. And 69 and a half catches to me seems too high for Kenny Galladay, so I'm going under there. Uh, you know, I look at the Dallas situation, and... Michael Gallup, CeeDee Lamb, Amari Cooper. You know, I don't really personally think there's a lot of division between those players. I know Prescott tends to favor Cooper a little bit more. We've talked a lot about the breakdown of Cooper on the road versus at home. Cooper is coming back from an injury this year, though they say he's 100% healed. But I don't know. With the, with the, with the progression, I think, of CeeDee Lamb, and I still think, you know, again, Blake Jarwin will have something to say in this offense as well. But 1,175 yards is a lot for Amari Cooper, and, and I think an inconsistent player. So I'm taking the under in Amari Cooper yardage. Uh, And then the last one I'll mention at receiver, and it's a touchdown total. And I'm really feeling confident that sooner than later, Trey Lance is going to be the quarterback of the San Francisco 49ers. 
I don't trust Debo Samuel whatsoever in terms of injury. I know George Kittle is going to be a significant presence there. But to me, Brandon Ayuk is the receiver to own in San Francisco. I will look for ownership in this player in any league that I can possibly get him. And over five and a half touchdowns to me is too low. I like over five and a half touchdowns for Brandon Ayuk. And I truly believe that Trey Lance will be on the center much sooner in San Francisco uh, than people expect. Yeah, so I feel, especially with Brandon Ayuk, his success this year is going to be tied to how quickly Trey Lance gets in there. I mean, not that he's not going to be a good player or a solid player, you know, even if it's Garoppolo, but I feel um, I feel strong uh, that his play will elevate if, uh, indeed, Trey Lance gets in there. Uh, I'm with you on Amari Cooper. Amari Cooper, my prop bet, is my best bet of all of these prop bets is Amari Cooper under 88 and a half receptions. Probably we are going to win or lose those bets together. You would your hard as me receptions. Um, I know he had 92 catches last year. I think that's just the, just the design of the season. The Cowboys were horrendous. They were trailing by three touchdowns at halftime and just about every game throwing the ball every down. Um, I just don't see it. His years before that, 2019-79 catches, 2018-75 catches, 2017-48 catches, 2016-83 catches, 2015-72 catches. I just think that that number is outrageous. It's outrageous. There'll be better tight end play. Uh, CeeDee Lamb and Gallup, they really want to get that offensive line going and, and the running game going as well. I just think the yardage, I didn't look at yardage, otherwise you could rest assured Amari Cooper's yardage would have been on there, but I'm right with you. Uh, I think that that reception total of 88 and a half is a lock under at this point. I mean, that one is, uh, that that's my best bet uh, out of all these ones that I've heard and looked at so far. I love so, it. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think we're going to win and lose that bet together. But I think we're going to win those two bets together, the under yardage and under reception. And look, I'm not saying that you and I are absolutely feeding Amari Cooper in every one of our drafts. If there's value where you're picking him in a snake draft or where you're you know, bidding on him and where he goes for our draft, yes. But just where he's ranked and where he's looked at and what the projections are, have to fade him on those numbers. Do you kind of agree with that? Yeah, no, I, I do. And, and I, and I think I, I just, uh, there's a lot of talent here. I mean, I, and I don't know, I, there, there seems to be a lot of indication that for some people that I, I'm, not, I'm not saying that this is the case, that, that the CD lamb is kind of ready to take the number one receiver position. And I'm not suggesting that at all. Uh, but to me, it's just, those are all, those are inflated totals when it comes to Cooper in my eyes. It's just, it's just a player that's not been consistent enough to warrant those type of numbers. Yeah. And I think you're right. I think the Cowboys will be healthier up front and they will try to run the ball with both of those players, both Ezekiel Elliott and, and Tony Pollard. So, uh, I think you make a lot of good points there. Yeah. Well, that's my, that's my 10. Did you have any, uh, few more left over no I, I don't really have any you know again there's a lot that I'm kind of following I'm gonna really watch closely and, and kind of form some opinions on things I, I I would say like there's a couple that I'm watching so I, I would say a, a player that intrigues me a lot is, is Tyler Boyd in this off in the offense of, of, of the uh, Cincinnati Bengals 
And it seems to me he's kind of the forgotten guy. He's been the forgotten guy into drafts the last couple of years. And I think he was on his way to a pretty big season with Joe Burrow. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking at his total and, I, and I'm watching the totals. And I kind of want to see what happens early in the year before I kind of, uh, you know, kind of bite on it. But t- to me, his yardage total looks looks a little bit slow. And I, I would also say this. I know this is a player that, that burned us a little bit last year. But, but I don't see anybody on that roster that's going to fight Joe Mixon for touches on that team. And, and again, I'm, you know, you, you get burned by a player and it's tough to kind of go back, back to the well. But to me, Joe Mixon is probably a, one of these guys that, you know, in the second round in snake drafts uh, and probably in that second tier of running backs that it has the potential in this offense to really outperform what he's ranked as going into the season. I just think, there could be a lot, a lot of juice there for Joe Mixon this season. Like I said, I know people were burned by him, you and I included. Uh, but I think Mixon's going to have, an, and this is a better, this will be a better offensive line as well. I think Joe Mixon is another player I'm watching. Cincinnati is just an intriguing team to me for some reason this year. You, you love Joe Mixon. You, you, you love that guy. I mean, you just, you just love the guy. And uh, yeah, I mean, he's got. It looks like he's got a clear path to that. So we'll, you know, we're definitely going to get into position rankings and uh, and and do that um, as we get closer over these next couple of weeks. We're going to break it down position by position. We're going to talk about DraftKings. We're going to talk about team proposition bets, player proposition bets, free agency. We're gonna we're gonna cover it all. There's no question about that. And uh, yeah, and then we're going to do another podcast specifically on risers and fallers guys who are moving up the charts and down the charts at some of these positions uh, as it gets close to the draft date. And uh, we'll, we'll see if the general public is right about that. But I have a suspicion that they're wrong most of the time. So we'll see if we can get some value and help people out there where as far as, uh, you know, maybe some players that are falling. Yeah, I'm definitely looking forward to that one. And there definitely already are players rising and falling in those rankings and, and, you know, watching everything that's playing out in these camps. So it's pretty exciting stuff. We got a full week uh, coming up again. I think the NFL Network's doing a great job going from camp to camp. There's a lot to learn there. But Wiz, outstanding job as always. Guru and Wiz, Fantasy Football Podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Make your, make sure you're subscribing, folks, and we're going to get really involved as, as everything gets closer. It's getting closer. We're excited, and uh, it's not far away, about a month now. So, Wiz, thank you again. Have a good night, and uh, we will talk this week. You got it.